0: Welcome to the Money and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Nelson. My mission to empower millennial couples to make money moves that won't just improve your financial health, but strengthen your marriage as well. In this podcast, I share stories, tips, and tricks, both from my experience as a certified financial planner and from my own marriage, to help you and your spouse kick financial anxiety to the curb and use your money to create the lives you love together. Let's get started. You know, before I was a financial planner, before I did blogging and podcasting and all this other stuff, right, I was a consumer of financial information, right? I read personal finance blogs and articles, and that was what prompted some of my interests in this area to begin with, back when I was working in a different capacity. And one of my pet peeves with that type of content has always been right? Places that will give you all of this financial information, right? That will just dump all this information on you, but not actually help you figure out how it applies to your situation, right? What it actually means, what it, like how you need to make decisions in the context of this financial information. Cause oftentimes like, you know, the, we're very good in the financial world just saying, well, it depends, right? If this is true, then that's true. And right. We're very good at giving wishy-washy answers because we're afraid to take a particular stand on particular topics. Um, let me give you an example of that, right? I I've been out on my own as a financial player now for almost seven years. I started back in 2016 and, you know, I worked with for a, an investment management firm before then. And when I when I left there and decided to go out on my own, right, one of the things I did was seek out training, obviously, so I know what it is I'm doing, particularly in the areas where I, I didn't focus on when I was with this other previous firm. And, you know, at the time, I was working a lot with younger people. And so I went to go get some student loan expertise, which has evolved over the years. And it's been one of the primary things that I do with couples um, today. You know, and so I, I sought out kind of the best student loan training at the time. And we went through all this information. And at the time, right back in 2016, one of the things we talked about was this public service loan forgiveness program. And to, to it, I think it's hard sometimes to look back and kind of put things in context. So just to to, to elaborate here right back then back in 2016 the public service loan forgiveness program was not 10 years old yet right for those of you who don't know the public service loan forgiveness is a 10-year forgiveness program assuming you're making payments every month during that time if you work in some sort of government or non-qualifying job um, at the end of 10 years right your loans are forgiven at that point and um at the time right they they, they taught us all this and they told us that right only loans that were issued um or I'm sorry, they, they told us most of the loans that were issued before 2010 don't qualify, but um, for loans that do qualify, right, you you go through the 10 years and then you're forgiven after that. And I remember taking a step back at the time in 2016 and saying, okay, so just to make sure I'm understanding, this program is not yet 10 years old, right? The forgiveness application was not even available at the time because um, it was passed, I believe, in October 2007. And so it wasn't until the fall of 2017 that anybody was actually going to be um, applying for this 10 year forgiveness program. Um, so nobody's tried to have the loans forgiven yet because it hasn't been 10 years since the program started. And most of the loans that were issued before 2010 weren't eligible for this program. So if we do the math on that, right, that, that, that suggests that most people who were applying for this program before 2020, 10 years later, um, Aren't going to have their loans eligible. And frankly, that's that, that's when the, the change started. So when you factor in that college is four years long and you know it takes some time to enter repayment, like most people weren't going to have their loans forgiven in this program for several years, right? From from the time the application was first available in 2017. And I wasn't seeing any of that content out there anyway. There were, there were certainly some people, I'm sure, right? But most of the, the blogs and the Department of Education website and the loan servicers were talking about this program is, you know, it's a 10 year program. You go through and you have your loans forgiven. Nobody was out there saying at the time that you need to be really careful if you're on this program to make sure your loans qualify in the first place. Uh, And so I I did a a blog article. I had a lead magnet at the, at the time or a a giveaway that I was offering in order to um, get people onto my email list. And I, I think I did a Facebook live or two at the time I was doing a lot of that back then. This was well before the podcast, And like I was saying, like, if you're on this program, you need to double check and be careful to make sure that you're actually on track to get it, because most people aren't up up until this point. And we all, well, I shouldn't say we all know what happened later, because if you don't have student loans, or you're not interested in this program, why would you know what happened later? But come 2017, a lot of people started applying and less than 1% of people were approved right back in 2017. And Um, A lot of people in the financial world were saying, oh, this program doesn't work, right? This program, you you should avoid this program at all costs. And I was sitting here saying like, no, like the program works if you make sure you are eligible in the first place, which is what like nobody was telling you up until this point, we just were spewing all this information at you and hoping you figured it out on your own. And I mean, before we shift gears to how that applies to today, just to clarify for people who are on public service loan forgiveness, you still want to make sure your loans qualify, Um, But frankly, like that program has been fixed to a large degree. Loan servicers are much better at um, clarifying whether or not you're eligible in the first place, right? There have been a a few changes that have been made over the years in response to a lot of the public backlash to this. Like it's a much nicer program to work with now than it was a handful of years ago. If you are pursuing that program, you should make sure you qualify. You should certify your employment annually. Um, You should make sure that they'll actually show you the, the number of months you have toward forgiveness at this point. And so, like, just double check yourself on that. But like, I would not avoid that program if you're eligible for it, and it's something that makes sense in the context of your of your circumstance. Again, like, it just it's not as scary a thing as it was a few years ago because a a lot of people have learned from the the uh, mistakes that previous generations of student loan borrowers have made, for lack of a better term. And um, and it's just that the Trump and Biden administrations both have taken some steps to make it a little bit more accessible to people. So. Let's set public service loan forgiveness aside. Why am I going on this rant? Um, Well, I'm going on this rant because we now are entering this new phase of student loan repayments where there are once again a bunch of new provisions. And so once again, right, we as in the financial industry are spewing a bunch of information at people. And once again, we're not helping people understand how it applies to their situation and therefore how to avoid some of the mistakes that people probably are going to make. Um where I'm seeing that right now and what I, I went, I think I mentioned this briefly in a podcast I did a few weeks ago. I know I mentioned it last week when we did our deep dive student loan training for those of you who joined for that. Um, if you're interested in the replay of that, we'll talk about how you can get access to that um, a little bit later on here, the end of this episode. Where I'm going with this is this new save repayment plan. Um, right what what you are seeing for people um when it comes to this new save repayment plan is that you are, able to sign up for it, right? You base your payments based on your income. Um, It's a much better plan than most of the other income-driven repayment plans that have been out there in the past. Your payments will be lower. Interest isn't building up on the plan, right? They're waiving any unpaid interest on the plan, which was a huge problem for most of the income-driven repayment plans in the past. And this plan fixes it. So like that's the information that is being told to you. Um, However, I see a mistake coming, right? In the the first, the first few conversations that I've, I've had with clients about this and uh, helping them talk through just kind of understanding where they're at and how they're thinking about the repayment plan. I had two client meetings back to back in July where um, the, the couples involved were talking about this repayment plan and suggested a strategy that immediately I said, No, we can't do this. This is going to cause you to pay a lot more than you need to on this plan. And so once I see that, right, as, as long-time listeners know, when I see a couple people, you kind know, of questions or, or things coming up, like I, I I know that other people are thinking this as well. And so I make a podcast episode about it. Um, I see this issue coming from a mile away. It's something that the Department of Education has not publicly um, got out in front of yet. It's something the loan servicers are not getting out in front of yet. It's something that most of the financial people, um, they're putting content out about student loans haven't gotten out in front of yet. And so I want to get to help you get out in front of it now. And that is this. If you enroll in the safe plan, it's a great plan. For most people, I think it's going to make sense. But if you enroll in that plan and later on decide you want to start shipping away your loans, right? Gradually paying off your loans, starting to pay a little bit extra, you need to be really, really careful about how you do that. Because that can be a huge mistake on this plan because of the fact that they are waiving the unpaid interest each month. Um, I'm gonna just kind of make up some numbers here um, and I'm gonna make them up in a way that maybe isn't necessarily realistic, but because you're listening to this in audio form and there's no like slides or anything, I wanna make sure it's easy to understand. Um, Let's say that you are uh, on the save repayment plan and your payment is $100 a month on that plan. And let's say that you have, and I'll just pick a really, really big number, right? Like you, you have a ton of loans out there. And so if we look at the interest that would be due each month, um, if you weren't on this plan, let's say you would owe $2,000 a month of interest, right? It would take a really, really high loan balance for that to be true, uh, but just humor me for a second. Your payment is $100 a month. The interest that's due is $2,000 a month. And so what happens on this plan is you make your $100 a month payment um, and the remaining $1,900 of interest, right? The difference between what you paid and what you owe an in interest is just waived, right? On previous plans, it would build up over time, right? Some more so than others. Um, but the that, that created just these huge, huge holes for borrowers. And so the Department, of Education, the, the Department of Education, I think rightly wanted to help people with that. And so they decided, okay, great, we're just gonna waive all of this unpaid interest. Each month, uh, which is very helpful, right? in In the long term, but what it means, of course, is that if you're making the hundred dollar a month payments, right, you're just paying hundred dollars in interest each month. Good news is the the nineteen hundred dollar difference isn't building up. Bad news is you're not making any progress on the loans, right? You're just making interest only payments on the loans. Um, and so you you enroll in the program, you realize that eventually, and so you decide you want to start chipping away at the loans. And let's say you want to pay an extra thousand dollars a month. These loans, right, as a way to pay them off early, et cetera. What happens if you're not careful? And this is what I this is the mistake that I've seen couples start to kind of go down this road, and I've been able to stop a few of them. And I just this is what I want to shout from the rooftops. If you start making that thousand dollar extra a month payment under the math that I just laid out, you are throwing a thousand dollars a month away, you're not using it to make any progress. Um, You are literally wasting $1,000 a month because in the scenario I just laid out, right? You owe $2,000 a month of interest. You're paying $1,100 a month. You still aren't touching the principal of the loan, right? You still aren't actually repaying the loan. You're just paying interest. You're just paying 10 times or 11 times as much as you need to on the plan, right? Making small, quote unquote, extra payments on the save plan is a great way to pay more in interest than you need to. And if you're not careful, if you're not, if the extra payments aren't enough to actually touch the loan principal, you're literally making more interest-only payments than you need to. You are wasting money on interest and not making any extra progress as a result. So don't do that, right? If you are on the save plan and your goal is to to pay off the loans down the road, right? So if you're pursuing public service loan forgiveness, you should never make any extra payments on the loans because the goal is to pay as little as possible, so as much as forgiven as possible, right? But if you're on the save repayment plan and your goal is to pay off the loans eventually, or you change your mind down the road and decide that you want to repay the loans fairly aggressively, that's great. I encourage people to do that all the time, but you don't want to make monthly extra payments on that, right? I, I would not advise that because the first $1,900 and in this particular example uh, of Payments you're making is just going to the interest, right? Your numbers are different. Your numbers are probably a little bit less dramatic than what I'm laying out here, right? But what I would do instead, using that exact same scenario, is I would tell the person, keep making their $100 a month payments and save that extra $1,000 a month. Put it in a high yield savings account. They're paying over 4% right now, right? That changes regularly. So don't don't quote me on that. Um, Save that $1,000 a month. At the end of the year, let's say you have $13,000. You probably won't have that much just from the high-yield savings account, but again, we're just doing easy math here. Um, At the end of the year, make a $13,000 lump sum payment on the loans. The first $1,900 is going to go toward covering the unpaid interest in the month that you're repaying it, but everything else is going to pay down the loans directly. Right. The, the first1900 that you pay in this scenario is is always going to be a sunk cost because you have to pay the interest that's due that month before you actually touch on the, the loan principal. But everything else you pay on top of that is going to go directly to pay down the loan principal itself. Mathematically, the optimal thing to do would be to save up a lump payment a lump sum payment until you can pay off the loans in full. Um, In reality, I don't see that working out for people Um, just from a behavioral finance perspective. Right. it, It makes it always makes me nervous to tell people not to pay down loans aggressively if your goal is to do um, loan pay down because it just, the, the psychological motivation of seeing your loan balances go down tends to be a really powerful motivating factor to people. And so I, and also you're recertifying your income annually, right? The numbers change annually. So I'm recommending that people look at this on a 12 month basis, right? Save up as much as you can over 12 months, make a lump sum payment. And at that point, once you start paying down a loan principal, the amount of interest you owe each month goes down as well, because you have less money outstanding. Um, and so the, the master, you got to rerun these numbers every year. Uh, but the idea here is that you're you're not making, quote unquote, small, by which I mean payments that are, are not enough to substantially pay down both the interest that's due each month and the principal every month, right? Instead, you're making the minimum payment, you're saving up a big lump sum and then paying a lump sum on the loans at that point in time. Um, hopefully that makes sense. Uh, it, it's a little... Complicated, I know. Um, it's it's not the best thing to talk through in a podcast. I find just because <laughs> there's numbers involved, and you're listening to me again, like that, m- most n- most people's um, numbers are gonna be a little bit different than what I just laid out. In a way that I think will be be clearer to you how you can see the benefit of this. But the idea is though, before you start to make these lump sum payments on these loans, you don't want to um you, you don't want to just like you, you don't want to just make the like a little bit extra payments per month if your payment isn't enough to cover the interest that's due each month to begin with if you if you are covering the interest that's due each month like that's less of an issue right then you can just pay pay down however you'd like but if your payment's low enough that you're not covering the interest that's due each month you need to be careful about how you do that. Now um I go more into more detail on this in that student loan co- in that student loan coaching call that we held last week that I mentioned a few weeks ago on the podcast. Um, I also have a um, save payment calculator for you that will actually help model out and show you, okay, like if, if you're making the minimum payments and saving up the lump sum, here's how much you're going to save, here's how much quicker you're going to pay down the loans. And actually, it helps you figure out this math for you. You input all your loan information and your your income, and it will, will show you exactly how this works. Um, both the replay of that call and this tool Um, are available to people who are part of my financial planning membership program. Um, If you're interested in joining that, it's newlywedfinancialsuccess.com slash join. Again, that's newlywedfinancialsuccess.com slash join. I'll have the link um, in the show notes here as well. Um, It's $47 a month. You can stay for as long as you'd like. Um, If this topic is of interest to you and you want to join for a month to watch the replay, and get access to this template um, and then leave. You certainly are welcome to do so. Although I hope you, I, I hope you stay around a little bit longer. We do monthly coaching calls. We do monthly office hours. We can ask any questions. Um, and there, all of my, all of my content is available. All my tools and templates are available in that program. So hopefully this helps. And a minimum, right? Don't make this mistake with the save repayment plan. I see it coming from a mile away. And I hope that this helped you to avoid that mistake. <music> Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the money and marriage podcast. If you want to learn more, you can access my favorite money exercise for free. If you head to paysetterplanning.com slash money and marriage. Again, that's paysetterplanning.com slash money and marriage. Get your access today and I'll see you next time.